Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being with me this week. Um, Thank you so much to all of the lovely people who listened to my interview with Erica Livingston and gave me so much incredible feedback about how much they're loving the new format. And I'm so delighted. I was so hoping that everyone would. I'm loving it too. I'm so proud of that interview um, about embodying the energy of the Empress and um, I'm just so stoked for the lineup. Basically, I have the whole year booked out. So I'm really stoked for the people who I have in mind that I've asked that I haven't asked. Um, hopefully <laughs> some people will say yes. <laughs> we'll see. I hope, um, it's just been a real joy to come back and do this with all of you in this new format. I'm loving the ask Lindsay's too. So it's great to know that everyone feels kind of nourished and hydrated in terms of content. And uh, today is a Wild Soul Lesson episode. So in the third week of every month, I do a little lesson about a number, about a suit, about a card, usually presented in a more holographic space. And today we're going to be talking about the devil card, which I've never kind of done, I've never kind of offered its own episode to, and I figured no time like the present, especially since we are moving into Capricorn in a few days. Um, But first, I would be remiss if I did not wish everyone a happy solstice and everyone an upcoming happy full moon in cancer, I want to offer a little bit of just the friendliest of advice and feel free not to take it. I would say this weekend, be super gentle, be really gentle. You might feel aces. You might feel great. I hope you do. Um, This has been a very intense month. The invitation to cocoon is very exacting and very strong, and there are a lot of very important reasons for it that were outlined in monthly medicine. And uh, this weekend being the winter solstice and then the full moon in Cancer and then basically our transition into the sun being in Capricorn might feel intense you know, and it might not feel bad. It might just be like, wow, I need a lot of sleep. I need a lot of, uh, sorry, I screamed into the microphone, (laughs) but like, I, yeah, I need a lot of sleep. I need a lot of space. And because for anyone who observes, uh, Christmas as a holiday that you go home and you see family, um, or you see friends or, you know, whatever, um, it's a lot of like obligation in a time when the body really wants to be at total rest. Um, And it is a reminder, you know, as we move into the medicine of the winter solstice for us in the Northern Hemisphere and all that the uh, full moon in Cancer will bring, which is just, it's a strong it's strong energy in that moon. (laughs) And, um, you know, some people feel the transitions of the sun signs very acutely. So just, it's just a little PSA giving you the permission. If you want to go home a little later, if you want to take that weekend for yourself, you know, um, be in ritual, not be in ritual, you know, whatever. Um, just take care of you. That's really the most important thing is just to take care of you unapologetically without giving a single fuck 
Um, and actually, speaking of holiday, I have a little Christmas Eve surprise dropping on the podcast. There'll be a little mini-sode, which I'm a uh, little mini-sode that I'm really excited to drop and share. So it'll be up in your um, podcast app wherever you listen on the 24th. And that's all I'll say about it for this moment. <clears throat> but I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. And um, yeah, let's talk about the solstice before we get into the devil. So the solstice is an astronomical event that involves the sun, that involves, um, it's not just, you know, the equinox. Hi, helicopter. <laughs> you know, the equinoxes are this kind of peak energy, are these peak points in terms of energy. They have to do with, and they do have to do with the um, positioning of the sun and uh, various things, but really they don't measure, we can't tell that we're in an equinox. It's just the this kind of a, an invisible threshold that comes at a certain time where we really transition from one season to another, but it's more of an energetic thing rather than a measurable thing. The solstices are a measurable event. The summer solstice is when we have the longest day of the year, the shortest amount of nighttime. The winter solstice is the shortest day of the year with the longest amount of nighttime. And what we do in the winter solstice is we bow to the light. We bow to the light. We welcome the light because we know even though our winter solstice day on the 21st is very short in terms of daylight and really generous and beautiful in terms of nighttime, that after that day, even though we're going to go through a whole winter season, the days are only going to get longer. And there's something really, so we, we bow to, we welcome the light, even though the dark is present, we're also having kind of our third eye open to what's coming. And in the summer solstice, we do the opposite. We kind of honor, celebrate the length of the day and we bow to welcome the dark because the days are only going to get shorter, even though we're in the height of summer and we can't even imagine what's going on or how that could be. Um, the solstices are so fucking magical and potent even be I mean everybody listening to this probably enjoys the solstice loves the solstice agrees with me I'm not saying anything that's reinventing the wheel here but you are listening so I think all of us can be in affirmation together they're so powerful because it's such a beautiful reminder of what we are we always forget that we are nature we forget that we forget that Everything moves in spirals. Nothing is in a straight line. That nature can hold this and that. That we can um, be in this moment and also acknowledge that no matter where, what we're experiencing, how we're experiencing it, it will change. Eventually it will change. The fact that we may have all sorts of things going on at this moment, acknowledging that in six months, we're definitely going to feel differently about it, no matter what. They won't be the same. And it's so beautiful because of the holding of both what is and what will be. It's exactly the same as the seed and the flower. You know, whenever we plant a seed, we're essentially calling upon solstice magic, solstice medicine, that frequency. So we're honoring the holiness of the seed 
and also understanding that one day the seed will become a different form of itself. So just like the earth, the sun, we want to acknowledge and embody the fact that we too are changing, that there's a lot that can change in us over the next six months, again, until June 21st when the next solstice comes up. So just for you to think about, you know, what are you honoring on December the 21st? What is here for you to honor, acknowledge, and what might you need to get really quiet to acknowledge more of? There's a reason that we have more nighttime now, more time for nestling, nurturing, caretaking. Um, you know, I know that so many people experience um, SAD, seasonal affective disorder, and just to remember that, again, while that suffering is the, the realist of the real, that there actually isn't anything wrong with it, even though it sucks. And I want everyone to feel better and more balanced during the winter. I experience, you know, definitely some shifts in my brain chemistry as the days get shorter. <clears throat> but when I remember like, oh yeah, you know, what is it that this time, what is it that my soul kind of wants during this time? What's the function of this time? This is the rest time. This is really the, and we don't honor any of that in our culture. You know, it's all go time, <laughs> you know, like, so it's important to really look at, you know, what, what in my being and in my body kind of, what am I being invited to pay attention to? And what am I welcoming in to the fold? And how can I take care of myself to really allow myself to get the rest or the support or the medication or the, you know, um, yoga classes or the breathwork classes or the jujitsu classes that I need to make myself feel like I'm still, um, being really well taken care of, even in this season of kind of real extreme where we kind of go into the underworld. So, um, I think there's a lot of power to that. And again, like the fact that both solstices are completely, centered around the movement of the sun, it has to do with us, how we are shining our light into the world, you know, really how we're shining. It also needs to be said that the solstices are ruled by the signs of A, for the summertime, we're right on the edge of Gemini and Cancer. And for this season, it's Sagittarius experience. So the, um, Winter solstice is experienced in the sign of Sagittarius. And that says a lot because it has a lot to do with our preparation to move into an earth sign, to move into a sign that really knows how to do the work to get where it wants to go. It knows how to do it slowly and methodically. And with the summer solstice, we move into cancer. That's all about looking at the shells we have and how we want to how we might not or want to necessarily come out into the world showing our full selves. So there's all this work that we get to do in the solstices and they not only mark seasons because they do, but they also just really mark these powerful turning points for us energetically that we can feel in relationship to the, this star in our sky. So all that to say <laughs> that it's really powerful. And I encourage anyone listening to this, you know, there's so many ways that your culture, your background, your personal, you know, your bloodline, your lineage, your religion may honor, celebrate Yule. 
which I observe, or um, just simply the solstice and whatever and however that shows up for you, just give yourself the biggest gift, the biggest gift, like what feels the best, what feels like the most nurturing, the most beautiful, supportive thing you can offer yourself at this moment and then do your best to give it to you, creating whatever rituals feel most supportive. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about the devil card. So I've got, this is a big, this is a very requested card, as you can imagine, on the podcast. And a lot of people have wanted me to talk about the devil for a long time. So what I want to say first and foremost, just as a gentle reminder, that I do have my own teachings around the card, which I'll offer. But like everyone's teachings are valid and worthy. So if this doesn't resonate with you, or if you like what someone else said better, it's not necessarily about you know, saying, oh, well, this episode didn't give me what I want or, you know, whatever. It's just to say that, like, just like you, everyone experiences the world really differently. So I encourage everyone listening to this to expand their minds about what this card can be, because I think truly every tarot teacher worth their salt that I've met really has their own thing going on with this card. And I think everyone's interp of this card is beautiful. So, um, I would say just keep your eyes open with the devil because <laughs> it really is the teacher that keeps on giving, but I will share with you, um, what I know to be true about it. So the devil card is the first card in the third line of the major arcana. It is card number 15. So it is connected to the six family and it is in the vertical line of magician, strength or justice, and then the devil, which is pretty powerful to think about, which we'll talk about a little bit. The devil is, in soul tarot, um, the absolute most profound liberation in the entire tarot. And we could argue maybe the tower because the tower really does liberate us from old kind of um, conditions and constraints and bullshit that we think we need to like live our lives in a free manner. And the devil sets us up for that, much like the hangman sets up the death, a card for a good death for release and dying. But the devil is a profound liberation because the devil is not about addiction. It's not about addictive behavior as a rule. It actually is not. It's not about someone being caught in addictive behaviors, although it can be. It's not necessarily about vices. It's not necessarily about what we might consider like sinful or shameful behavior. It is totally not about that. In fact, it is actually about us embracing the things that we desire, we're turned on by, we enjoy that we feel are wrong or bad and encourages us to look at, is this actually causing harm to you and others? Or is it just something that you were told way back when or believe that you shouldn't feel, want, desire, um, is a pleasure that you feel uncomfortable with exploring? It really makes us kind of open up hard and look at what is the difference between what the brain pulls in or invites us into that actually slows us down and 
what we desire that the brain tries to stop us from enjoying because it wants to keep us in a loop of shame and fear. So the devil has nothing to do with like booze and drugs and sex and cigarettes and all kinds of shit that our culture has basically told us like are quote so bad because there are so many things that are so bad that are, you know, like, um, eating in a way that harms the body because you think that it's the right thing to do, forcing a style of eating on your body, even though it makes you sick, that's really hard, but that's really like valued in a lot of cultures and places and, um, exercising like until you throw up is not necessarily the best for everyone, although it can sometimes be really valued. Um, there are a lot of things that have been really valued and encouraged in our culture as being acceptable forms of engaging with our animus that are not really serving us at all, that don't really serve us at all that actually create a lot of blockage and a lot of stagnation and actually slow us down from our expansion. And it's not here to judge anybody. Everyone's experience of this is going to be a little different. The devil is a liberation because it brings us right to ground zero with our brain chemistry. The deal with the devil is when we pull this card, first of all, I want to give everyone the first understanding of this card. If you pull the devil, no matter what, no matter what's going on or what you're doing, you are doing everything right. Because when we pull it, even if we are in the shit, even if we break our sobriety, we end, you know, we fall off the quote wagon, which is such a lame way to look at sobriety and recovery. But anyway, um, even if that happens and, and you are in a chemical shit storm, it means you're doing everything right because it means you're scaring your brain. Your brain has some kind of vested interest in you staying in this chemical swirl. Because the devil, again, is really not about the vice. It's about your belief about the vice. It's about what you think about the vice. It's about our feelings of, am I a bad person if I have a drink? Am I a bad person if I watch TV? Am I a bad person if I do drugs? Am I a bad person if I try pot? Am I a bad person if I keep calling this person? If I keep, um, you know, getting sexually turned on by this? If I keep one, and now again, I want to state that there is always a line in the devil if there is a sense of causing harm or violation to yourself or other people. We don't want that. And that's part of what we want to actively say no thank you to in the devil card. We're talking about healthy experiences with desire that do not cause harm and are not in any way inappropriate to causing harm to anyone. Um, And we're expanding the definition of what we might consider, quote, okay or appropriate in terms of that spectrum, not causing harm to anyone, ourselves included. And um, we get the opportunity when the devil comes up to notice for ourselves, okay, I, my brain is hooked into something. I get the opportunity to know what that is by inquiry. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And I get the, I get the opportunity to either say no thank you to it or to say, fuck you, this is okay, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So in the devil card, in the Smith Rider Wait, 
we have two people who are kind of chained to this beast. And the chaining is really important because a lot of the time when we're in the devil, we can feel kind of like we're in this loop or cycle of addictive tendency or that we tried really hard to get out of a hole and now we're just back in the hole. So I also want to bring in temperance because temperance comes before the devil. With every expansion and temperance is for sure one of the strongest expansions in the tarot. There's always a contraction. So when we're in temperance, like all of the work that we've done in hangman, in death, it's all kind of blowing open. And we understand like, oh, wow, you know, it's not that it's just me. I do understand what's beyond my ego. I do understand how my life changes when I start to work in alignment with my soul purpose, with with divine, with spirit, with the universe. Whoa, I do understand what this is. Like, I am so much more than what I think I am. All parts of me can be blended together in the in the unique makeup that I came here to be. And that can be in this beautiful co-creation with spirit. You know, temperance is a slow card that has to do with a very profound transformation that is rooted in the lens view of personal balance, of, of integrity, of bringing in something wiser than yourself to help life be the best it can be. Temperance is for sure, I would argue, probably the strongest expansion in the whole major arcana. It really blows the whole world open and has us see things completely differently. What happens every time we expand there's always a contraction, which is why we have the devil. And the tarot, it, it's not just like, oh shit, we're expanding and we're contracting. It's also the brain. That's the rhythm of the brain as well. If we start stepping out on our soul work, meaning if we start to really expand, we start really doing our work and really thinking like, oh man, like I am blowing open. I have so many new ideas like that old pattern, that old habit. Wow. And things start to really change. We're shifting, we're changing. All of a sudden the brain starts to go, oh, oh man, they're getting out a little far on the ledge. And we're the brain. We don't know about this ledge. We know about like solid ground, about breathing and eating and digestion and, and safety. We know about keeping this person alive. And they're starting to get all into this soul bullshit. And we don't know about that. We don't know if it's safe because the brain has a very limited amount of file folders for these things. And so if something is unknown to the brain, the brain's going to put it in a file folder usually of like marked unsafe, which was a very powerful teaching that my teacher really helped me to understand, my teacher Michelle. And the experience that we have in the devil card, what happens is, and maybe even before I talk about the devil, but to go back to this idea of the brain being like, oh, you're out on the ledge. Like, I don't know if this is safe. What the brain will do is it will go into the file folder, another file folder of what will bring Lindsay or whomever out of their soul work. What will stop Lindsay's expansion? And I have many things. One of them is like, uh, medical trauma. So like some kind of medical, like a shortness of breath for a moment. And I'll think like I'm having a heart attack. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's like hypochondria a little bit, which stems from when I was a very young kid. 
So sometimes that can stop me and it can take me even a little while to be like, oh, you motherfucker, like you little dog, you got me. And for some people, it's like thinking about a person, uh, like a particular person who is never good news for you. Not because they're maybe a bad, maybe they are a bad person, but they don't even need to be bad. It can just be distraction. It can be sexual arousal for sure. There's a whole story. Um, oh, what is that story called? There's a whole story in Women Who Run With The Wolves that I want to say is something like Manawi, but I'm sure it's really different from that. And there are going to be a lot of people laughing at me, but <laughs> I, it's about a little dog and um, like chasing after pies. It's all about how desire can keep us off the spiritual path, whatever you want to call that. And for some people, it's it's addictive behavior. For some people, it's food that actively makes them sick and slows them down so that they will stop doing their soul work and they'll be preoccupied with some sickness. And for some people, it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's smoking or it's, um, you know, whatever. And now here's the trick. Here's the key with the devil card that will completely transform this card for you. It's not the drugs. It's not the alcohol. It's not the other person. It's not even the medical trauma. It's not any of those things that pull us into the chain of the devil. It's how we feel about ourselves after we've engaged with them or even in wanting to engage with them. The brain does not get us hooked with, again, the booze, the drugs, the sex, the whatever. It gets us hooked with, I'm a bad person because I just did that. Oh my God, I just blew $500. I have a shopping addiction. Holy shit, I'm a garbage person. I feel, I feel so despairing. It's like I blacked out. And then what happens? We go on a complete roller coaster of shame and guilt, maybe keeping secrets, maybe like a particular cocktail of panic and like, and terror that like we have to take on extra shifts to like make up for what we've done, or we have to like return the things, or we have to try to keep the things or whatever. And then we're hooked in the devil right there. It has nothing to do with the trigger. It has nothing to do, the devil, the devil card, the, the beast in the, in the devil card is basically like the meta version of our brains. And it's not really the brain because the brain can be very helpful, but it can also be the world's biggest fucking dick ever. I mean, the brain is responsible for so many things that shift us into behavior that we then regret or feel harm, you know, um, uh, we, we despair over, we feel horrible about, you know, the brain, it, it's, it's all a part of that lens view. In, and there there's needs to be absolutely conversation about um, brain chemistry through a spiritual lens because so much happens through the brain's chemistry that affects our intuitive knowing. And the devil is starts the rebirth line because and it doesn't come like down the line. It doesn't come in line two. It comes the first card in line three because we really master what it is to be in our center, in our creative center when we're in the devil card. So it has nothing to do with what it is that you get pulled into devil energy with. It has to do with how it makes it, you feel about yourself. So if you're someone who 
deeply is on a journey of recovery and of sobriety and the devil comes up for you when you deeply desire a drink, it's not about, oh no, I might drink or I did drink or what if I use or fuck, like I'm stuck in a, in a pattern and there's something dirty, damaged. It's about saying to you, it's a little mindfulness bell. If you pull the devil around a moment when you are deeply in chemical stuff about, you know, your relationship to drinking or using, it's about saying, okay, yeah, I see this. I see that there's a desire. And I also can see that I've been really expanding. You know, I'm a new parent. I'm, you know, in a new relationship with someone. I'm starting to really understand my tarot deck more. I'm I'm doing better at work. I'm happier. And I can see that this is a new area that I'm in, that my brain would be scared. And of course, the first thing it would do to reach, to bring me back into, quote, normalcy, would be to reach for drinking. So I can see that there's a desire in me, an impulse in me right now to have a drink. But I know it's not in my highest and best right now, so no fucking thank you. The end. And all we need to do is come to that, and that's inquiry. That's how we can start doing inquiry work. So the first inquiry that we want to ask anytime we pull the devil card, where am I expanding? Where am I expanding? It might take you a few minutes. Ask a friend if you can't figure it out. Anytime we pull the devil card, we are expanding in a big and gorgeous way. And usually the brain will be like, no, you're not expanding. Nothing's even like happening. You're just fucked up, whatever it is. So bringing that into perspective and saying, you know, maybe I need a little bit of um, clarity from someone that I love who sees me, you know, where am I expanding right now? This is very interesting. So then coming to terms with for yourself, what is the expansion in this moment? What is my brain frightened of? What is an unknown to my brain? That's question one. Question two, what is the belief that I'm having that's bringing me into contraction and discomfort at this time? Sometimes the devil card is so fucking sly that it's like, it because it, it can really cause a trigger response when we pull it. Like we immediately think, like, oh no, something's happening, something's gonna be, something's going wrong. Like, what if, what if, what if? And it's no big deal. It doesn't mean you won't experience discomfort and contraction at the presence of this card. That's okay. That doesn't mean you have to change that. Discomfort is not necessarily a sign that anything is wrong. But the experience of the devil card in that lens view the second question that we ask ourselves, you know, what is that pull? What is that? Where am I experiencing that contraction? That is also really important too, to determine like, is it something for me that's kind of like textbook about the devil? Like, do I want to cheat on my partner? Is there someone that I want to text that like, literally like there's so much arousal in my body or because again, the devil, you cannot separate it from the chemistry. That's why it's really confusing because chemistry feels very powerful. It feels very real. Uh, it is real rather, but it feels very true. So sometimes we have this experience and kind of the same thing happens in the lover's card too, which is sort of unrelated to the devil in certain aspects, but 
it's the same thing in the lover's card on the opposite end because the lover's card can sometimes have to do with meeting someone, a mirror for us that's here to reflect to us some beautiful part about ourselves. And we wind up really falling for that person and not being able to really take in that it's not about them, it's about us. <laughs> so it can be hard to like click that in. But with the devil, it's kind of like we can feel like charging arousal. We can feel like we will die if we don't have sugar or a drink or drugs or whatever. And that's when, you know, kind of step three of the devil is like, if you're in that space, you call upon your resources. If you have someone that you know is here for you to be like just an ear, just a witness to be able to be like, oh my God, like I cannot stop thinking about this person. I want to call them so bad. I want to have a drink so fucking bad. Really just bringing light and voice to it. The brain really behaves a lot like a predator and predators try to get us alone. And a lot of the time when the devil comes up, because it works so closely with the emotion of shame, it can really pull us into a lot of um, isolationist tactics. And we can feel like, oh no, I can't share this with anyone. Like I can't do, like please go above and beyond that and be willing to, take the key that is possible in the devil and bring it to someone and say, Hey, I'm experiencing this. And I just kind of want to like, let this be known, let this be shared so that, um, I do have some back and forth. I do have some sponsor energy here. I do have some support, you know, around this experience that I'm having. And then step four is to say, is this inclination, desire, experience, emotion, contraction, thought in my highest and best? And is it truth? So if we're going to text somebody, really want to ask chemistry raging, is it in my highest and best good to text this person? Is my desire to speak with them, is it truth that I really desire to speak with them, connect with them, fuck them, whatever? Or is it that I'm uncomfortable with the direction I'm going in and I want to slip back into something that I know? I'm uncomfortable with the silence. I'm uncomfortable with the void. I'm uncomfortable with my expansion. Maybe there's a belief that they're like, will never be anyone ever again for me. Whatever it is, we can bring all kinds of meditation, all kinds of loving uh, kindness to that inquiry because we don't need to make anything wrong. We don't need to make anything a problem. That's where the devil hooks us. That's where the chains are. Is that we go, oh my God, I'm so fucked up. Nobody has these experiences, but everybody does. I do. Everyone feels this way. Anyone who doesn't talk about it is a liar or they're not comfortable with it. And that's okay too. But Nobody is exempt from this, especially not if you're a highly sensitive person, and especially not if you've experienced trauma, if you're working through a life mastery of addiction or recovery in any kind of area, the brain, it, it will always use the devil to be like, hey, let's get you back into a place of comfort. And for you, comfort could be chaos. So sometimes the devil is really light. And sometimes it's really fucking intense because it just wants to keep us in safety. The shopping addiction that you may have is a shopping addiction, but it's also not a shopping addiction. It's an addiction to the cycle of self-loathing, self-hatred, of the rush of the buying. It 
it's actually a chemical thing around the chemistry that has nothing to do with chemistry for chemistry's sake. It has to do with you being pulled off of your path a little bit every time you blow money you don't have or every time you blow money and binge energy. Um, and I've been through that road myself with shopping. You know, as a kid who had no money, it was really hard for me to like keep money. But it never resolved itself until I did work with the devil card and understood it wasn't really about the shopping. It was about how horrible the cycle of self-loathing, secrets, not telling anyone, shame, self, you know, anxiety, fear, regret, all that like very specific and totally debilitating cocktail would totally take me off my path for like two weeks or a week or, you know, would really be a hardcore situation. So there's never going to be a time when you're not going to be dealing with one of these things. We want to ask, is it in my highest and best? Is it in my truth? Is it in, and we can zoom that out. If you're feeling a desire around a behavior or an impulse that might bring harm to someone else, because I don't want to dis, sometimes that does happen for some people and the lack of support that some people have around chemical impulses that are in some way, there's no place to talk about that. We can actually work with those impulses by saying, is this in highest and best for everyone? If not, no, thank you. The chemistry always passes, always. Where we get hooked is in the shame, is in the, oh, I must be feeling, I'm feeling this, it's so strong. It must be that I'm supposed to do it. it. must be that I'm supposed to engage in it. Anytime we pull the devil, we want to ask ourselves, is this aligned for me? And those four questions, A, you know, where am I expanding? B, what is this impulse? What is the invitation? Three, what's in my highest and best to know about this? You know, and is this in my highest and best? Is this truth? Kind of the inquiries that were posed in this podcast and like kind of posed now, those are the general questions that we want to ask every time we're doing work around a hook anywhere. As chances are, it's just the brain trying to invite you into a familiar chemical spot. And it really has nothing at all to do with you being whatever term you might offer yourself, um, bad or dysfunctional or broken. It's never about that. Now, the beautiful side of the, well, all that's beautiful because it can offer a key to our liberation. Once you realize like, oh yeah, this in, immense chemical desire, no, I don't need to do everything. If my brain says jump, I don't need to jump. I don't want to jump. That's not my highest and best right now. No, fuck you brain. Get the fuck out of here. It's, it changes our lives. Once you realize that you don't have to do or have to engage in thoughts blindly without really inquiring, bringing wise inquiry to them, it changes everything. There's a complete transformation that takes place within us, in our lives, in our self-love, in our self-acceptance. And it's only through doing that work that the tower can take place. Only. Because once we disengage from brain chemistry in that way, the tower knows we're finally ready to have whatever old um, constructs, whatever old um, containers that we were, you know, putting whatever kind of importance on that they're ready to go. 
So the devil is a liberation, a profound liberation. And it's also, again, it's always a good sign because anytime you get it, it means you're freaking your brain out. And that's where we want to be. The brain is not a fan of spiritual expansion at all. The brain's not a fan of us getting up there and doing our thing. The brain is not a fan of us telling people how we really feel. It's all about the brain, all about the brain, really. And one gorgeous part of the devil is that it can be a glorious invitation to accept, bring acceptance, bring light, bring love, bring um, an honoring to the desires that we have that we are naming as shameful. If we have sexual desires, if we have desires around um, anything that society or a religious upbringing might con- might consider like taboo, if we, um, you know, have, you know, whatever it might be, the devil can come up for us to do the work to be able to say, this harms no one. It doesn't harm me. It's completely healthy to have these impulses and desires and thoughts, and it's absolutely okay for me to desire um, this kind of sexual experience or this kind of life experience or this kind of chemical experience for anyone who might want to engage in, you know, um, drugs in a different way, for anyone who might want to engage in plant medicine in a different way. Like there's all kinds of places that we stop ourselves, um, you know, from feeling like we can be our whole self, from from blasting out and beaming out our whole power, especially those of us who have really big sexual energies and who are uniquely sexual, who have very unique desires and desire um, things that we were told or taught, you know, aren't acceptable, aren't okay, even like masturbation. The devil can come up if we've got like really old kind of like trauma around, especially from religious families or families that were more conservative. Like a lot of people can have a lot of terror around that. And it can be a lifelong reclamation process of like, this is my body and I desire to have pleasure around my body however I want to or not. Or sometimes there are experiences where we are harmed in a sexual way and there can be a reclamation too. We can feel like there's something wrong with us for feeling whatever way. The devil can also be a reclamation, a homecoming to be able to say like, oh yeah, these feelings of shame around this, they are present. They are painful. They are real. I am honoring them, but they're not my truth. They're not really the truth of me. They're a part of me that has been developed so that I could feel safe and protected, so that I could somehow stay away from my power, so that I could somehow stay off the ledge of life. And we don't need that anymore if we get the devil. In some way, shape, or form, we're we're reclaiming a part of ourselves that is in our highest and best. And again, it, you know, that's why inquiry is so important because the brain, you know, I've, I've used this example before, but like we're talking about an organ, the brain, that on the coldest day of the year, we'll be like, yeah, go out and get ice cream. And on the most beautiful day, when we actually want to take a walk, we'll be like, no, don't. The brain's not necessarily invested in what is like in our highest and best. <laughs> so with the devil, we have to always be asking, you know, yeah, this like feels good. But if the devil's coming up, probably there's something around this for me to look up. And it's important for me to see this. And that is how we cut the chain. And I'm telling you, 
that if you really do work in the devil here and do work like this, you can cut a chain of addictive um, charge that might never come back again. And what I mean by that is not that you're never going to want to shop or you're never going to want to text that person or you're never going to want to smoke or you're never going to want to have a day where you like, you know, drink until your face falls off. That's not true because there are all kinds of reasons why we have those impulses. And those impulses are unpleasant, but they're okay to feel. We can, however, get to a point where when we have that impulse, we can literally be like, oh yeah, it's present right now. Stinks, whatever. You know, just waiting until it passes. And then if we want to do really advanced work with devil stuff, once we've determined what's going on, what's in our highest and best, what's in truth, we've, we've, brought some time to, you know, we brought some repetition to devil work, then we can bring an additional question and ask, well, what can I offer myself to support myself during this time? How can I stay aligned with the ledge that I'm on? That's actually good for me. That's actually in alignment for my soul. So it changes for everyone. It's really a key and kind of like an escape hatch out of, um, identification out of shame where we really get to leave behind that idea that we're like defective or broken because we're completely pure, completely perfect, totally beautiful. And we get to invite ourselves out of that and have a really healthy relationship with our brain chemistry forever after that. And again, that's not to say you're not going to feel chemistry because everyone does until you're, we're, until we're passed on, um, we're going to be experiencing the, the duet that we do with this brain and this soul. Um, we want to always be thinking about, you know, everyone's triggers are different. Everyone's devil stuff is different. Everyone's. And we're talking about like, kind of like, very run-of-the-mill devil's things like drinking and sex. And that's not actively not what this card often comes up around. Sometimes and sometimes not. A lot of the time it could just come up when we're believing something that's not true or when we're really, really sure, when we're hooked into a chemical experience, when we're absolutely positive something's going on and it's not, it's always a good sign to be like, oh, wow, thank you so much, devil. Like, I am hooked somewhere and I can move out of that. And now I'm going to bring inquiry to myself so that I can determine where I am in any given situation. And that's how you can begin to work with the devil. And here's what's so powerful about the vertical line of the devil. You know, in the magician, we learn that we are capable of bringing anything into earthly form. Mercury, that we're capable of communicating, outputting, creating, manifesting anything that we are in alignment to create in full form anytime. So the magician can only bring forward the magic, can only pull the rabbit out of the hat when the altar is balanced, when above and below are activated, when everything is in highest and best for everyone. So we learn about in the magician, the relationship of our manifestation, our power and balance of the universe. And then in strength, we learn, um, basically how to begin to follow and honor 
our intuitive knowing, even though we're afraid. So with the strength card, the presence of the loop, of the infinity loop over the um, woman's head is extremely significant because she, it is also over the magicians. And that represents a person who is hearing the voice of, of spirit, somebody who's in connection with what it is that they're meant to be doing, somebody who's honoring a higher calling and is actively creating something through honoring that higher calling. And the ma magician is called to create, bring forth the invisible and make it visible. Strength card is called to trust the intuition to go towards something that looks scary, that actually winds up softening completely once we attend to it with an undefended heart. So we really learn how to work with fear in the strength card, how to keep the heart open and how to really change our lives through looking at, observing, um, engaging with things that feel like big or scary, but when we do it, everything softens and there can be a healing. The devil brings that to a complete next level where it actually brings us into a space where we wind up saying, oh, wow, the whole nature of my chemistry is not necessarily even connected to soul. It's the whole thing around all the shame, all the cycles, you know, all of it has to do with keeping me out of alignment with my soul and my soul's purpose and what it is that I'm here to do as a soul. And now I know that I don't necessarily have to identify with it ever. I never have to identify. I never have to get caught in, oh, this is a problem. This is wrong. This isn't okay. We're really expunging the shame in the devil card that keeps us from being who we really are meant to be. And by the way, you know, if we're going to talk about the figure of the devil as like a sense of evil, as a temptation, that has only ever existed in mankind. Spirit is not coming down and saying, hey, make homosexuality illegal. Make it punishable by death. That's not God. That's fear of sexuality rooted in people. These kinds of things that happen that are inexplicable and that um, stifle and diminish the lived experiences of people whose expressions as human beings represent a threat to our own simply has to do with reflecting on the shadow of the unexamined part of the person who is doing that, which is why devil work is so important because everybody has the shadow work to do. And when we say shadow work, it means anything in us that we're not we're afraid of embracing anything in us that is unexamined, anything in us that doesn't feel safe, anything in us that feels like it could not be accepted by other people. So the devil, uh, you know, it is sometimes how our experience of, you know, quote, negative spiritual energy can totally come into us through thinking. And that's why it's really important for us to be like, this thought feels like it's full of shit. Fuck you. And not being afraid to do that, not being afraid to be like, I should feel this way about my body. This, there's no way that this is my truth. There's no way that this is my soul. Go fuck yourself. We just don't need to engage. Imagine what we would do if we were not engaging with that. And triggering can come up. It's like, well, yeah, like, you know, what if, you know, but I'm having these feelings, you know, why can't I engage with them? You can, 
but they're going to just bring you in a spiral and in a circle rather this looping um, kind of endless experience. And there's just not that there's no need, but when we get the devil, it really lets us know like, oh, you can completely release attachment and identification with this. And here's how, you know, and that's the devil. There's so much more that I could talk about with this card, but we're in an hour, an easy hour. I feel like an hour that flew for me. Um, and yeah, the most profound liberation in the tarot, the signal you're doing everything right, everything. We're not supposed to get it all perfect with the brain. We're not supposed to never feel desire or impulses or addiction or depression or anxiety ever again. It's not that we're going about our merry way, having fought a battle, and then when we feel a brush of chemistry that kind of feels a little bit like what we've moved through in the past, that we failed, or somehow we're sliding back down that road. And if we pull the devil for that, even more important. Like, no way. The brain is just inviting you into some horse shit so that you will leave behind the expansion work you're doing. Be willing to honor the experience, but also say, brain, there's no fucking way that you're pulling me out of this. So thanks, but no thanks. That's what I have for you. Card number 15, very powerful combination of magician and hierophant, combination of creator, combination of knower of truth, releasing old beliefs so that we can, and what, uh, the reason that I say that is because 15, magician is one, hierophant is five. We're doing magician hero font work here. And when we come together, we make it a devil experience or we make it a lover's experience where we're actually looking in the mirror in card number six, recognizing that there's never going to be a time when there's going to be something that we have to let stop our destiny in the mind ever. It's just in how we engage with it. And the devil can really teach us how to shift our engagement. And in that way, it is a profound liberation. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, definitely, um, I would love to know what card you'd like me to do next month in January. Oh, my God. And I didn't talk about <laughs> one of the most important parts of the devil is that it's ruled by Capricorn. So th this is another quickie, like ruled by Capricorn. How interesting, right? That this card would be ruled by our 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 water goat, our, by our little goat of the zodiac. With the devil being ruled by Capricorn, we always want to be thinking about in Capricorn energy because Capricorns can do anything. It's about the discernment. It can, they can climb any mountain. They can do it. It's about whether or not it's in alignment for them to do it. That is really the question the Capricorns um, are invited to ask themselves. And so that, so too with this, you know, really thinking about I'm capable of doing anything, but what do I choose to do? That's really soul-centered Capricorn so that we get to use our full energy and our hard work and our soul essence for what it is that we actually want to bring to the world rather than getting kind of caught and stuck in looping experiences. Um, and yeah, so I kind of am into the fact that we enter into a new year in the lens of the devil. 
I think that's very interesting. Um, definitely brings a lot up during Christmas time. Definitely brings a lot up during the new year. Definitely brings a lot up after the new year. Very powerful energy. And something, again, to really think about in terms of the kind of clearing that we get to do before we move into our new year. Um, and yeah, definitely let me know if there's a particular card that you'd like me to spotlight and focus on next week. Um, and that's all that we're going to talk about today. Purchase the threshold. If you'd like some support for the new year, it is available, ready to go on the link on the show notes or on my website. Um, be super honored and happy to support you in that way. And um, yeah just loving everyone and thanking you for being here and thanking you for listening. And I will catch you in a couple days with a little mini sewed. And uh, until then, take care of yourselves. Bye.